Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Hey, hey, it's Jesse and Paige here, and we are just going back into Revive School. We have gone through book of Genesis and Exodus, and Paige and I, if you haven't listened to the other two, we are doing a two-year Bible study mm-hmm. um, with Revive School, which is Time to Revive's mm-hmm. two-year study called Revive School of the Bible. And we go through each book. We do a few chapters a day and a daily teaching mm-hmm. every single day, mm-hmm. every single day. Yep. Unless you're like me and you're two videos behind, sometimes six videos behind. Sometimes you got to do six in a day. (laughs) Good thing you're only a half hour. Yeah. But anyways, today we are in Leviticus and there is a word we're given for Mm -hmm. the whole book that foreshadows um, what Jesus, the Messiah that is coming much later, is in these books in God's heart um, for his people in this love story for us. Mm-hmm. And so Leviticus, the word for Leviticus is atonement. Yeah. Because of this temple that is going to be built soon where God allows his presence to dwell, where his people come and where they atone for their sins. And Paige, I whenever I heard atonement and I'm reading Leviticus, there's a couple things that was so funny to me. One, all my life I have heard Leviticus is boring. Leviticus is laws. That's mm-hmm. that's what Leviticus means. Law. Yeah. Correct. Um, the word Leviticus, I believe. Don't put me on the don't, spot, Jesse. Okay, sorry. I believe Levitical that is. Pre- prob- Levitical priest. Levit- I don't know. I'll look it up. I'm looking up a different word right now, but I'll look that up. Oh, yeah. Look that up. And then because Deuteronomy is second law because Moses repeats mm-hmm. it. Right. And Numbers is the census of counting the people. Okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it's a lot of laws being taken taken place. And um, yes, really growing up, I heard... Don't tell me the Bible isn't all exciting because if you read Leviticus, it's boring. And and I've just sort of attacked it that way with this mundane, um, just weird, like if I just get through it and read it, then I'll be fine. But Exodus kind of wrecked me, Paige. And, yeah. it, and it is because of chapter 33 where yeah. Moses says, "We, I implore you, God, that it, we cannot go forward without your presence and yes. to show me your glory. And yes. so I'm starting out Leviticus. Which, by, by the way, Leviticus does mean law of priests. Oh, great. So the law, law of, priests. of priests. I was right on. You were right on. Yes. And so um, I, I'm kind of starting out with how my heart has attacked Leviticus this time because it just feels different and it might make me cry, which is normal. But... um. Yeah, just looking back on Exodus 33, and if you listen to the podcast before we go over the book of Exodus, actually just go ahead and listen to Genesis and Exodus mm-hmm. so you can <laughs> be right there with us. But Moses implores that that he see God's glory, and the Lord shows him his glory and his presence mm-hmm. in such a way that is so tangible. And so Leviticus has felt really heavy 
for me mm. because it feels like I can feel the links the Lord will go to push sin out of the way yeah. in order to be with us. Yeah. That's what that's what it feels like to me. If yeah. I gave a word in Leviticus, I would put glory in it. Yeah. Because I feel that I feel the weight of sin and all these laws being put in place. Yeah. And and all of the things that have to be set up that feels daunting. Yeah. But it's not just to be atoned um to be right with the Lord. It is being right with the Lord so that you can be in his presence. So I'm setting it up actually yeah. in chapter nine, page. I'll be interested in where you go first. Verse six, it says, after they talk about um, laws of sacrifice, Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded you to do, which is the sacrifices, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Mm. And that verse is probably just the most foundational verse for me in this whole book, because the way I will now see Leviticus for the foreseeable yeah. future for the rest of my life is atone, repent, um, mm-hmm. get beside yourself so that you may enjoy and be in the presence of the Lord and his glory can be revealed to you. Yeah. So good, Jesse. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and I think just another kind of overarching verse mm-hmm. for Leviticus is, um, and you'll find this in, in Leviticus eleven forty four and in 45, oh, but yeah. basically it says, um, you'll be holy for I'm holy. And, um, and I think it was Warren Wearsby that described these, there are 613 different statutes that we find in this, in Leviticus, in the law of the priests. And, um, and he referred to them as the privilege of holiness. And you'll remember in Exodus that, um, that God said that his people, Israel, were going to be distinguished, and they were going to be distinguished because of his presence. He was going to go with them. He was mm-hmm. going to dwell with them. Mm-hmm. And so what Jesse's talking Exodus about— Exodus 19.6. Okay. Man, she was ready. The Lord had our nuts ready. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the, this is what was put in place temporarily before Christ came— um, so that we could be atoned for. So I just I want to back up real quick and give context about atonement because it's kind of a big word mm-hmm. and it's a churchy word and I don't want to <laughs> skip over it. Um, so um, atonement is um, the reconciliation of God and humankind through through Jesus Christ. So that is kind of the um, the churchy definition of it. Um, the actual definition is just reparation for a wrong or an injury. And so if we go back to Genesis, mm-hmm. right at Genesis 3 in that anchoring chapter, after Adam and Eve were hiding in their shame and in their sin, and they'd made temporary garments out of... Um, a plant essentially it says in verse 21 this is genesis 3:21 the lord made garments of skin for adam and his wife and clothed them so this is our first mention and our first knowledge of where blood was shed so that there might be a covering of sin and the lord himself made this atonement by making these garments of skin from animals by there being blood shed so that Adam and Eve could move forward in life with what he designed them to do, and his blood was shed. When you hop into the next chapter, 
Um, that's where we hear about Cain and Abel. We know that the sin, that the seed of the serpent um, is, is kind of at war with the, the seed of woman, and sin enters the scene, and there is a murder. So in Genesis 4, 9, the Lord says to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Mm-hmm. And so we see this concept of, of uh, and in Leviticus, you see this, it'll say multiple times that there is life in the blood. There mm-hmm. is life in the blood, that there is something that happens with blood shed that covers our sin. Yes, it sounds kind of weird, very weird to me, like in our culture now, we're in the new covenant. We know that Jesus's blood was shed for our sins. And in Hebrews 12, 20, tells us that Jesus is a mediator of a new covenant and that his blood shed for us speaks a better word. So I'm painting this, I'm trying to help us all see as we go a little bit further into Leviticus, this picture of atonement that has existed from Genesis 3, where blood was shed so that sins were covered. And, and then also this relationship of blood speaking out a claim over something. So even to use the example of Exodus that Jesse used about the plague and, and the firstborn son mm-hmm. and um, that there was a blood that spoke a better word if it was put over, over the door and over that threshold of the door. So um, as even in Exodus, as, as uh, Moses gathered the people together around uh, the mountain of Sinai, there was um, a sprinkling of, of blood that that commenced to um, to kind of initiate this process of of God creating His priesthood with these Levites. They're from one of the twelve tribes. Um, the Levitical tribe. So this book is specifically, it's to the Levites about how they are going to make atonement for the people, how the people are going to live in a in conduct of holiness set apart um, so that eventually we have this picture that when we meet Jesus later in the New Testament, he we understand He is our perfect atonement. And I just have to fast forward really quick to Revelation chapter 5, where John, the revelator, John, the, the disciple, the beloved disciple, he is in the throne room of heaven, and he is weeping. Um, he's caught up in a in a in a, a vision, an encounter, and he's weeping because he sees this scroll with these seven seals, and they're looking for someone who is worthy to open this scroll. And then he sees something like a lamb that was slain, so yeah. something that bears these marks of where there has been blood loss, where there has been atonement. And and he begins to understand with the elders and the host of heaven that this slain lamb is worthy to open the scrolls. So again, it's all, it's pointing back to or pointing forward to Jesus as our atonement. Um, so Jesse, do you have anywhere you want to go from there before I hop into a particular text? No, that's good. Okay, so I think continuing on, we're going to see there there are a variety of types of offerings that are made that um, 
that include the shedding of blood. Not all offerings include the shedding of blood that we're going to hear about in in Leviticus. And there's a rule and a law for just about everything you can imagine. Some I could not watch with my kids in the room. (laughs) Like my kids are little and they're and they repeat everything. And and some things would just been more confusing to to try to to sift through or or not with them. But at the end of the day. God was looking out for for the hygiene of his people, for the well-being of his people. If they would just, it's just like yielding to that burning bush, really. Mm-hmm. Yielding to the word of the Lord is a choice of the heart, whether we understand it or not. Like, Lord, why should I, you know, like in, in these olden days, like why should they go and not do this or go and purify themselves because of this? The Lord knew, mm-hmm. like he was looking out for every aspect of their livelihood. But long story short, I want to come to Leviticus um nine um is as well. Really at the end of verse eight, it says, um Leviticus eight thirty six, thus Aaron and his sons did all the things which the Lord had commanded through Moses. And I just circled all the things mm-hmm. because I love the entirety of that. And with these sixteen thirteen six hundred and thirteen statutes in place that all seek to bring about uh the possibility that people's sins are atoned for, that mm-hmm. people um, experience the favor and the holiness of God and the measure that it was available in the Old Covenant, all the things had to happen. And so I just wanted to bring that encouragement not to grow weary to to you, Jesse, to me, to the woman listening in all the things that the Lord has commanded, the fullness of um, doing all the things which the Lord has commanded, which praise God, it's not 613 <laughs> things that we have to keep up with, but there are things in our lives that um, that we're called to. And so I just want to keep that fervor for doing all the things. Um, so when you go ahead and, and you hop you hop further down into um, Leviticus 9 and um, verse 22, um, earlier in the chapter, you're going to read that, that Aaron has made an atonement at the altar. He slaughtered a calf as a sin offering and blood has been, been presented um, to, to make an atonement. Then it says in verse 22, But Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people, and he blessed him. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And then Moses and Aaron went to the tent of the meeting. And when they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the portions at the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. And so there's two words that as I read this and I think about the role of uh, the, Levit- the Levitical priest, the high priest Aaron, and then of Jesus as our high priest today and as the atonement for our sins, they are removing and they are replacing. Mm-hmm. They are removing the burden of sin and shame, and, and through that atonement, they are replacing it with the pronounced blessing of God upon us. And so when it says that the Mo, the Aaron, excuse me, lifted up his hands and that he began to bless the people. This is after this sacrifice, this atonement has been been made. We know that um, that it was the it's called Aaron's benediction or the Aaronic blessing, and you can find find it in Numbers um, chapter six, verse twenty two. I'm going to go ahead and read it. And so I just want you to think about your own your own life, and I want you to think about the reality that. Before Christ became the atonement for your sins, you are like Adam and Eve. I am like Adam and Eve. I am hiding in sin and shame, and I am condemned. I am guilty. Um, The blood that has been 
the blood that has been shed, um, it it speaks of my death until until Christ sets this this up and it begins to point to life. So atonement is made. The Lord is replacing our sin with the blessing instead, with the the blood that speaks a better word. So so Aaron's a blessing. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak this to Aaron, to his sons, saying, you shall bless the sons of Israel and you shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace so that they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel and then I will bless them. So I I just wanted to like bring that thought in of the role of these priests, the, of these Levitical priests making atonement, removing something, removing the sin, and replacing it with the blessing of the Lord. Yeah. And I love that when we see the tangible effect of this at the end of Leviticus 9, it's what you opened us with, Jesse. It's that the glory of the Lord appeared to them, Amen. and they fell flat on their faces. Yeah. And uh, and so in this, is just a, it was a, I mean, it's real, but it was a picture of what our reality is today. So now when we are under the blood of Christ that speaks a better word for us, His pronounced blessing is upon us always, every day, forevermore. So it's just like, how do we live in that? Like, how do we live in that shout? How do we live in that glory fall of recognizing that our sins have been atoned for and that the blessing of the Lord and His face is now upon us? Yes. And and that's, I don't even understand the magnitude of how much God tells us to remember, but do yeah. we actually remember that He delivered us from that? And, and, and in chapter 18, verse 3, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, um, I am the Lord your God, in verse 2. But verse 3, you shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. So what is it whenever the Lord delivers us and speaks uh, a better word over us and allows us to go higher uh, I wrote in my note, nothing I do should look like my past um, way of living or like the world's because he's saying, don't look back on what to do now going forward. You can only look at me. And also yeah. going forward, what you're conquering, you can't look at what they did in yeah. the land you're getting because that's what the world says. So my current way of life has to be greater, bigger, holy, spiritually higher and yes. replacing the curse of sin and death with his blessing. Yeah. And literally, I cannot go, I cannot be led forth by sight. I have to be led forth in faith. Yes. It's so good. And it comes back to what we talked about in Exodus 2. How do you take the spiritual reality yeah. and bring it into a physical, physical world? And it is the choice of the renewed mind and the yielded heart and, um, and really just knowing that Jesus is interceding and the Holy Spirit, they both intercede mm -hmm. on our behalf and that this, this blessing, this priestly blessing was put up on us and is upon us. And I just think it, I think it's amazing. I, I love to, um, that it talks about, I think it's in Leviticus six. It talks about, um, one of, the priest part in the the offerings. Yeah, it is. It's Leviticus, Leviticus 6, 12, and 13. Mm -hmm. But it talks mm -hmm. about the fire on the altar. So when they when they would make um, some of these sacrifices, you know, this 
there was a fire that was involved, and it says that it was not to go out, but the priest should burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering on it and offer it up in, in smoke, and the fire shall be kept continually burning on the altar, and it's not to go out. And there's a, a different passage in Leviticus that talks about even um, how they're supposed to crush the olives to bring forth the clear oil so that um, the lamps won't go out. So you've got this picture of lamps burning. You've got this picture of of the altar burning. And so we know that even though this um the Leviticus was to the Levitical priest. We're a priesthood, Jesse, right? We're a royal priesthood. Mm-hmm. And um, and so what does that look like for us? Like we've been atoned for in Christ, but as his priest in the world, we are still commanded to keep the fire of um, our hearts burning because our ha- he dwells in us now, right? And so like, what does that look like as, as priests who have been atoned for permanently once and for all by the blood of Jesus how must we keep the fire burning perpetually in our hearts and and keep um, keep our lamps burning as well, so that a lost world that may not have received their atonement yet through Christ may may see and turn to Him? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, and I think one thing that it looks like is closeness, because yeah. it said um, God revealed Himself to Moses, Aaron, and the Israelites, and whenever um, His glory came on the mountain they distanced themselves in yeah. fear. And, and just like that Adam and Eve thought of, I will die in his presence knowing the weight of my sin. Yeah. Um, but what does that look like to be atoned for and then to stay there and yeah. be refined in his presence and yeah. not fall back? And um, Exodus 19.6 says that God did set us apart, that we are his own. Israel as a whole, he's not talking to Moses here. He's talking to Israel as a whole, says that they are a kingdom of priests set apart for the sake of the world. And in Leviticus 24, 22, it says, there shall be one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as the native, for I am the Lord your God. So he's saying we are a royal priesthood as a body that is supposed to uphold what he says is truth and love and to be in his glory whether or not people believe him we are supposed to be the standard yeah and do we do we know that do we yield that strength and do we do we stay near him yeah to follow that yeah 26 uh chapter 26 verse 8 uh, this is just amazing to me walking walking out what this looks like whenever mm-hmm. our, whenever we do have this atonement for our sins when we are in this closeness of him and we're when we're in his glory and we're led by his presence what does that do to us and chapter eight was just so interesting to me because it says um five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand and your enemies will fall before you by the sword and i put on my note my capacity to conquer my enemies in god is ten times greater just me is ten times greater then one that doesn't fear the Lord can overcome me. Yeah. So um, with without God, I am nothing except that human flesh. We just keep talking about you move forward in that you will you will be in vain, walking in vain your devices yeah. at the end of your life. But with God, with God, yeah. What does life look like? And it even says in verse um, twenty, your strength will be spent uselessly uselessly mm-hmm. for your land will not yield its produce 
and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. There is blessing walking with the Lord. There's yes. curse walking without him. And this, there's that tension, the weight of glory and the weight of sin in Leviticus. That yeah. It has just. It's life and death. Yes. yes. Do, I, do I distance myself or do I get close? Yeah. And, and just by faith know that he will refine what doesn't need to be there. Yeah. That's so good that I'm not, I can't remember if I told you this when we went through that chapter um, 26, but on uh, the verse that you read, you would chase your enemies um, and they'll fall down before the sword. You'll chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. And anyway, but in on in 2019, that was a verse that the Lord highlighted to me about entourage. We were one year in at that point, one year, half year in um, ish started in 2018 so it'd been January and I just remember that that thought of um of 100 chasing 10,000 and just what does it look like to have one of the of like just kind of the Lord encouraging me in that time like 100 women can chase 10,000 enemies and that's the kind of that's the kind of women's gathering that I want entourage to to be mm-hmm. um a women who know that the that they've been atoned for a women who know that they're called to holiness that they're treasured that they're royal and uh that the glory uh, of God is around them as blessing is upon him then we will walk in that reality of 100 chasing away 10,000 and so I just want to tie that back into entourage as that's yeah. a specific specific verse but in the same these same particular chapters that we're reading about the year of of jubilee we're reading about um mm-hmm. sabbath and just how the lord yeah he provides and as he provides and we trust in him then he brings about supernatural provision and the weight of our own provision just does not work out he talks about i, I just thought this was awesome about how um, they have certain years that they are not allowed to grow things mm-hmm. and um, that he's going to bring in the harvest in the years that they're not planting uh, for the years that he's calling them to rest. And so I think that it's a pretty foreign concept in our first world, world culture. And I felt challenged by that as well, about what does it look to live a life of holiness now that truly incorporates rest? What does that look like? Yes. And moving forward to just just that understanding not only can we do nothing without him but we can't be blessed without him either our land can't be blessed um in verse 32 of leviticus 26 i he's the one he said i'll make the land desolate for your enemies who settle in it it will be appalled over it just just knowing that the lord is the one that has the power to bless our land and to curse that if if you choose not to follow him yeah in his ways just that level of faith, I guess, just to walk out that level level of faith and trust in his design and what he has for us and what blessing looks like. Blessing to him is multiplying your children, uh, having your generations blessed, yes. having your land blessed, having your inheritance. Yes. Um, does it look like Pharaoh with the brick and mortar cities going up um, with his, his name, yeah. Pharaoh's name being called higher and not the Lord's? And it's just um, very challenging <laughs> and eye-opening. That makes me think from like a just a practical example in my life about how sometimes we measure 
blessing inaccurately with, to use your example of yeah. the brick and mortar things going on versus the people multiplying. Mm-hmm. And um, Jesse knows that I live on a multi-generational property, which is awesome. So mm-hmm. my grandparents are alive and they live behind me. They deed, my grandpa um, deeded all of his land to his four grandchildren while he was still alive and three of us live within his eyesight. And we're not like all in the same yard, but we're on the same partial section together. And so um, it's garden time and my grandpa has a garden. So the weather's been nice and we've been tilling the garden. And yesterday I told my husband, or I told my girls and my husband, I said, that's the million dollar walk, uh, the walk, the pathway from our house to his house. And I just said a million dollars because that sounds like a big number in a big number. But the point that I was trying to make was like, it's so invaluable, the blessing that it is that we just walk back and forth. Like literally we walk one way and then he had great, these are his great grandchildren at this point that are gardening with him. And they were running up from the other side of the hill all to his garden and his gathering place. And he lives in just a little frame shack and I have a, a blessed home, very normal type of home. But it's like, it is such a wealthy walk. It is so rich. It is so blessed. It is so full. And so just thinking about that in your, in your, as you're talking about blessing, recognizing the blessing, the, where king, where the, the gifts of the kingdom and God's blessing have so surrounded us Mm -hmm. and they're just without measure. Mm -hmm. They're without quantity and, and value. And I just glimpsed that in my own life yesterday in this little pasture trail that I call the million dollar pathway between me and my grandparents yeah. and just knowing it's like the greatest, one of the greatest blessings of my lifetime. Yes. And I could so easily miss it because it's so ordinary and mm-hmm. so small, but it's invaluable. And truly, I believe it is a kingdom blessing. Yep. Well, do you have any last minute things or do you want me to no, you pray can, out? Them? You can press out. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your eyes that, um, like we find out later how you just put this veil down in your presence over Balaam's eyes when he sets his eyes towards Israel and he says he can see, but he doesn't know how because your eyes is what he's seeing through. So, Father, I just pray that you give us your eyes this morning to see your blessings and to see the wealth, this unending, never-ending wealth that you supply us and what your blessing actually means uh may we just take down the idols of our lives and that vanity in our in our in that selfish pride and that flesh that we try to feed and father may we just want to receive and desire the things that you desire lord i just speak all my castles crumble and i just pray that i build everything up in your name that i may um believe in a seed that i believe in generations and i believe in your prosperity to come for thousands of generations. We love you, Father, and we just thank you for that. I I, re- I literally pray for all of those things to come down. Everybody who's hearing this right now, our selfish ways and our pride and our sin, may they fall. May they absolutely fall. And may we just have you construct our lives in such a way that just brings about your blessing. Bless marriages. Bless children. Bless the generations that have raised us up, that have gone before, and that uh, are going ahead of us, Lord. We just love you and thank you. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 